This episode of the Badass Ladies Club is sponsored by Badass Retreats. It's time to make your healing a priority. Find out more at www.blcbadassretreats.com. Welcome, badasses, to this week's episode of the Badass Ladies Club. My name's Laurie, and I'm here with my bestie, Jessica. Hey, guys. And we are so excited to bring you today's episode with badass Jeffrey Scott. But before we do that, I just want to remind you that we would love for you to get on our Apple podcast page and give us a five-star review, write a review for us about an episode that you loved and why. Also like and follow all our social media pages, check out www.blcbadassretreats.com and badassladiesclub.com. And let's talk about our badass of the week. Awesome. So our badass of the week, I'm so excited. I love this woman so much. Her name is Carly, totally going to butcher this, Sciortino. And that sounds right to me. Okay. Um, Carly is an American writer, television host, and producer. She is the founder of one of my favorite shows, Slut Ever. She's amazing. (laughs) Um, uh, Slut Ever is actually a website, too. Um, It focuses on sex and sexuality and um, the exec and executive producer and host of the Viceland documentary series of the same name. So that's what you and I have watched that we're obsessed Obsessed with with the TV show. Uh, She's so awesome. She also writes for Vogue's online sex and relationships column called breathless. Um, anyway, she's so freaking funny. She comes from a, um, very, uh, sex positive place and it's a non-judgmental point of view and it covers everybody on the spectrum into a lot of different things. And it's actually quite educational. So educational. Yeah. I love the way that Carly talks about like when I see what episodes coming up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I feel about this. Cause it's like, I know some of them you're like, Ooh, well, no, I mean like it's some freaky stuff, you know, yeah. like things outside of my understanding, but by the end of the episode, I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. I totally get like how that can work out. Um, right. so anyway, Carly's the best. Carly is so funny. And Carly, if you're ever watching, we are going to be reaching out to you. Absolutely. Just saying. Get so, on this podcast. Jeffrey Scott, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? We're great. It's so awesome to have you here. Um, you know, Badass Ladies Club is so inclusive um, of everybody. But when I think about badasses out in the world, like making it happen, Jeffrey Scott comes to mind every time. Um, totally. It's so cool to have you here on the show so we can talk about all the awesome things you were up to and just the way you've been killing it for 25 years in hair color education and doing beautiful hair. So tell us a little bit about what uh, your 25 years experience in hair color education looks like. Well, I'm happy to do that, but first I have to give an acknowledgement to you two rocking the black tanks in honor of me. Don't think I didn't um, notice that. You know. So a- absolutely. You know. Also, uh, sorry. So- Should we put our shots in our uh, yeah. coffee? Also in honor of Jeffrey. Um <laughs> he educated us on all the wonderful alcohol that you could have alongside coffee. And so in honor of oh, him, yeah. we're trying it out today for uh, our episode. 
Okay. And I, I recommend, I like that you guys went big with the size too. Obviously. <laughs> I'm always for that. This was a lovely gift. It says hashtag daddy AF. Yeah, I don't know what the it. AF stands for. I, I never knew what AF stood for. I'm just going to think Abercrombie, but I don't know. So, um, And this one's great because it holds a lot of coffee and Kahlua. Ideal. Okay. Uh, go big yeah. or go home. I like it. <laughs> okay. I'm Love kidding. It. I'm kidding. There's no coffee in here. <laughs> guys, just kidding. So, okay, so to your to your yes, question. Right. So 25 years educating, um, in case people are trying to do the math, I was two when I started this so that they can, you know, Growing up follow along. And um, I just, uh, got, we got asked to be uh, in the professional program. Aveda created the professional program and we didn't make the first year, but we made the second year. And that was 1995, 96, somewhere wow. around there. And it was great. I was very young. Uh, I really didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I was energetic and ready to learn and grow and just got into it. And uh, a few years later, um, really kind of switched up the game and focused just on color only and have been teaching hair color in some capacity uh, since it came out. And I love, I love doing it um, from the uh, artistic side of it. And, but I also love the knowledge that I've gotten on the business side of it, because I think, you know, to be very successful, it's great to have both, you know, artistry and business to be able to um, be truly successful at it. And I just love doing it. I love artistry and business um, because you do have to have both if you're going to continue to do it and earn a living at the same time, you know, like yeah. that's a real balance. Yeah. yeah and yeah, I said exactly. for years as a hair colorist, like, oh, well, I'm not a business person. I never want to own my own business. And here I am, even though this podcast isn't doing hair, um, you kind of, you develop those business minded, you know, quirks in your day-to-day -day life. Whether you like it or not. I know it. <laughs> so one of the things that we talked about a lot in our pre-interview was, um, you know, on the heels of this last crazy year to 18 months is coping mechanisms and how we cope and deal with stress. Um, and yeah. originally when we first started talking about having Jeffrey on the show, the first thing that I went to was just what a oasis of relief your social media feed is for me because of the way that you use humor in times of crisis when I really need a good laugh and I'm being way too serious about life. Um, I can count on you to uh, lift me up and crack me up. So can we talk about using humor as a coping mechanism? Because you do that so well. <laughs> because story of my absolutely. life. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, I mean, there will, there will be some who will try to say that uh, humor isn't appropriate here or there. And oh, we could argue and debate that all day long. It's just, if I see an opportunity to make somebody laugh, I'm going to take it. Um, a, a example, like I did my mother's eulogy and I just put the jokes in there left and right. And, <laughs> you know, of course it was a serious matter, but it was also a moment to have fun and to pay tribute. And I think if people are laughing, they're learning. If people are laughing, they're loving. And I feel that it's just always great to just have fun. Of course, be serious when it's time to be serious. But if you can also laugh about it along the way, then I just look at it as like a double plus good. Oh my gosh. So we're five minutes in and you're uh, making me cry. Right. Like, I, what a beautiful tribute to your mom. Yeah. To 
make everyone laugh and feel good. Like I definitely feel like sometimes in ceremonies where we're celebrating people's lives that it isn't always that celebration feeling. And I love the idea of using humor yeah. like that. That's a gift. Um, and Jeffrey, I don't know if you know this. Um, I spoke about it when we named you as badass of the week, um, all those many episodes ago, but I took a three month hiatus from Facebook this past summer of 2020. And one of the first things I said to Laurie when I claimed this hiatus was, will you still send me all the memes from Jeffrey Scott's feed? Because that's like the only thing that would make me laugh. And I was like, that's what I was missing during my hiatus was your yeah. feed. Um, which is so funny because all these memes aren't your original thoughts, but they, you just like have a way of posting things in this synchronicity that is just perfect. And, um, yeah. I really missed it, but I was happy that when I got back on Facebook that you were still there making me laugh. Posting away. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, I mean, you, yeah. 98% of the memes I post, I didn't create, but they speak to my humor mm -hmm. or they, or I find them funny or they're reflective of something that I would find funny. Absolutely. Every now and then I will create my own memes though. So just, just know that Original content. Okay. But it's very little. <laughs> and, um, and just know the next time that you decide to take a face break, which is what that's called by the way. Um, oh, okay. A face break. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll just shoot you memes directly. Oh, so perfect. Good idea. Keep Great. the feed going. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You didn't miss anything on Facebook except for Jeffrey Scott. Like, <laughs> no, that's really <laughs> so all good. I was really like Jones and four was like a Jeffrey, Jeffrey Scott fix. meme. <laughs> but also to the idea yeah. of like balance with business too. I find yeah. that because you can authentically be yourself and have the sense of humor, even when it's like dark humor or maybe like inappropriate humor, that also helps you attract your tribe. Like the people who want to be in your classes, who will never miss something that you're doing, you know, professionally, that it builds that relationship yeah. with your people. And I think that's so important. And you couldn't do that unless you were just being authentic. That's mm -hmm. not something that you can drive. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, humor is something you have to learn too, mm -hmm. because, you know, you can, of course, go down paths that don't end up so good. Um, and you, you have to learn kind of like what is funny, you know, what is offensive? I never want to be offensive. That's never anything that I'm about. And if I was, I would be like South Park or Family Guy and I would offend everybody. <laughs> um, so I kind of leave that up to them. I That's not who I am. I, I prefer to be engaging with my humor. Uh, if I'm going to be uh, deprecating, it's self-deprecating. So, right. and, I, and I'm a king of that. I definitely <laughs> feel that I'm fair target of my of my own humor. Uh, and that's the majority of the time where I would go with it. But it, it is something I've had to learn. And have I made mistakes? Of course I have, you know, everybody has, but again, I just try to laugh them off and learn from it and then just continue moving forward. I wonder, have you ever thought about doing like stand-up comedy or like comedy in a different mm -hmm. medium besides social media hysteria or like writing comedy yeah. or TV comedy? I have, you know, the thoughts have come in and out of my head before about doing like a small stand-up yeah. or doing, um, or doing writing or something like that. I feel like I, I do consider myself pretty funny, um, and, you know, so the face like this, I gotta be, <laughs> see there, that is time. my yeah. example of self-deprecating humor. So, um, 
no, I, I have, I've thought about it, but just like all things where, you know, oh, I should, I would love to be a musician or I, you know, love to be an actor and all this, like so many things that you're passionate about, but when you, when do you cross the line and it becomes work and no mm-hmm. longer fun, you know, and right. no longer passion. So I just kind of keep the balance that I have now, but yeah, I have. And if the right opportunity came along, I would jump on it. Well, I'm reflecting that back to you right now. Like I would be first in you line should. to see your stand up. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely should. <laughs> Um, what I also love, I wanted to speak a little more on the authentic piece that you were saying, because so many times I find myself as a service provider wanting to post something on social media, but I know that so many of my clients follow me on social media Mm -hmm. that I'm like, oh, that's really dark. Maybe I shouldn't. Um, but then I look at Jeffrey Scott and like, people seem really into it. And, Also, I told Laurie this story the other day that the first time I ever met you many years ago um, at William Edge in New Braunfels, you did a class for us. You said, you know, you're more than welcome to follow me on social media, but if you don't want to see me in my tank tops, then I suggest you don't. And it was just this very much like, I don't give a fuck you know, this is who I am. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's okay too. So I applaud you. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said that it's like, um, uh, I'm so sorry, guys. Are you there? I'm so sorry. Yes. We're here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, uh, have always kind of felt that, you know, not everybody's going to like me. It's just, that's just the reality. And that's, for everybody. No one likes everybody. And I'm okay with that. As long as people are okay with the information that I have to share, you know, and if they want more, or if they're more interested in, in the information I have, but also perhaps my personal approach to stuff, the more the merrier welcome aboard, but just know that you're, you know, what you see in class is definitely going to be a watered down version of me because it's job, you know, it's your work. It's I'm there to do a purpose. And of course, some of me will come into that, but it's not all of me. And Facebook or so and Instagram, more so Facebook, it's going to be more all of me, you know, mm-hmm. like it's more of a window into who I am 24 seven versus just who I am nine to four teaching a class. And, um, and Facebook is definitely more of more of my personal mixed with professional Instagram's probably more of my professional mixed with my personal. Gotcha. So I try to just kind of find a balance. So if someone's more interested in me more professionally, I would steer them to Instagram. Mm-hmm. And if they're more interested in my personal, then I would steer them to Facebook. I love the idea of using different platforms in different ways based yeah. on like the audience that each one's going to give a view with. to yeah. a different part of you. It's brilliant. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like and it's interesting because <clears throat> I only created Instagram for professional reasons only. I resisted it for many, many years. Yeah. I just didn't want to do it, but I was kind of forced into it. So I created it professional only. And no one was really that interested, to be honest with right. you, of just professional only. People want to see your your personal life too. They want to see your food pics. They want to see your dog <laughs> pics. They want to see your gym selfies. Yeah. They want to see you laugh. They want to see you cry. You know, they they really are looking for you as a whole picture. And so I just found to incorporate all of it into my social media has been more successful. Well, and I also think that like the idea of what social media is for when we start to like use it for professional uses or you're using it for business, you can't lose sight of the fact that it is social. Like 
that's the, and that it, right. you do better that's the point <laughs> when you are social with people and they feel connected to you in that, you know, yeah. like that way. And if it's all business yeah. all the time, there's nothing social about yeah. that, you know? So yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I mean, really the, the ultimate question to ask yourself is would I say this or would I show this at a dinner party? You know, mm. that. so like when my friends are like showing their butt and I mean that literally <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram or Facebook, I'm like, that's not really me. You know, I wouldn't do that at a dinner party, but you go for it, <laughs> rock it out. But that's always kind of my thing is like, would I, would I do this or say this at a dinner party? And if I wouldn't, then it doesn't go on social media. It's a good rule. That is um, a good rule. Like Although it. your friends yeah. that are showing their butts. I might want to follow their social media. go to that dinner party. No. <laughs> I can, I can, I can send some your way. Absolutely. So some other things that we talked about with coping with stress was, uh, fitness and, or just like movement and moving that energy around and you to the point of your, you know, gym selfies, which anybody who does follow, you knows that you have a really strict routine with your fitness. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you developed that routine and, um, the ways that you use that to cope with yeah. heavy stuff. Yeah. Well, and you ladies have known me a while, so you know that it has been a journey for yeah. me. I have not always looked the way that I looked. And I, of course, there are times I've looked better and times I've looked less than, uh, but they've all been an improvement since my mid-30s. Uh, in my mid-30s is when I really discovered fitness. And when I moved to Toronto, I was able to focus on it literally right under my profession. So profession came first and fitness came right in there because I didn't have all the other things distracting me from it. And I was able to put myself first and it really just made a big difference to how I felt. Of course, it makes a difference on how you look, which anyone would argue it's, it's, you know, you know, shallow and whatever. I I disagree. I think that having that perfect balance of inner beauty along with the comfortableness of your outer beauty, I think and that can look many different ways. Yes, it's right. not just has to be one ideal, but being confident with yourself, being comfortable with yourself and doing it for you, not doing it for anybody else. That's just flat out what I find to be motivating with fitness. And it comes in waves. It comes in waves. Sometimes I'm more committed. Sometimes I'm a little less than committed. And, you know, you have to kind of find that refocus to keep yourself going. Yeah, I feel that, man. Like you were just saying today that once you're fully, soon as vaccinated, I'm fully vaccinated, yeah, I got to go back to hot yoga again. Like, I because it's so funny to me, like moving your body and fitness has meant so many different things to me at different decades of my life. Mm -hmm. So, like in my 20s, I was an avid mountain biker, you know, and was riding, you know, just on road, like 17 to 25 miles a week and off road. We, I was riding eight to 10, you know, off road miles on the weekends. Like, I was fit. Um, but then as I got older, I don't know if I just like the idea that I could fall off my bike and destroy myself and end up in the emergency room, which happened a couple of times, I was you about know, to say, like, that wasn't an idea. That was a yeah, reality that th then I was like, okay, maybe this mountain biking thing is not for me, you know, like, and yeah. so I started to change what fitness looked like to me. Um, and that it's been a struggle to find things that always work, you know, like that sometimes yeah. what works for you in your twenties, isn't what's going to work for me in my forties. And, um, yeah. but not having that consistent routine does affect me in times of stress yeah. because when I was yeah. stressed out, 
the bike, the right bikes or the yoga or any of those things were really helpful to me in processing yeah. how I was feeling about things and just, you know, having that mind check where things are different. So I know Jessica does it a lot with dance party. Yes. Um, well the dance party is just to change my shitty mood. Um, <laughs> but, um, growing up as a dancer, I mean, yeah, like, my idea of fitness where I feel like I thrive would be group classes. Okay. Um, I like group exercise because I found when I was working out alone in a gym and then I worked out with a trainer, they were like, you're doing this all wrong. And I was like, great. This has been a huge waste of time. So I either have to have a coach with me mm-hmm. or it's like a group setting. Um, I don't do well yeah. by myself. Did you Having find a trainer was I'm so sorry. No, no, but you've worked with a trainer. I've seen on your social media, you either do or you have. I love trainers. I love when people come to me, I get messages, not to flatter myself. I get messages often about, can you give me some advice? Can you give me some training? Can you give me some tips and all that? And I just, I always say hire a trainer, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, you owe it to yourself. You deserve it. Just do it two days a week or three days a week. Find a trainer that's hungry, that really is going to be committed to you. And even if you know, I I know how to work out, I know how to do it, but the trainer holds me accountable. Yeah, the trainer pushes me harder. The trainer says, you know, your form is a little, all Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, a bad workout is better than no workout. So I will always say that. And of course, unless you hurt yourself. Right, right. um, Yeah, but even if your form's not correct, at least you're doing it. You know, laying on the couch is not doing it. So uh, I love that trainers keep me accountable, push me, coach me critique my form, you know, even if it's just the sm- smallest bit and it, it's always the best thing I tell people. So if you can make it work somehow, hire a trainer. You know, one of my favorite things that when I was working with a personal trainer, um, our friend Mandy referred mm-hmm. that one guy to yeah. me that like came to your house and like would work out with you, like knock, knock on, your, on door. your door and be like, <laughs> yeah. get up at five 15 in the morning. We're going. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah. so I would meet him at the park and he had this huge ass tire. And I mean, look at my arms. I have the upper body strength of a 12 year old boy. I, I'm not strong physically at all. Um, and he'd be like, flip this tire. And I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? And, but what I loved about it was that I did it and that it taught me that my body is capable of so much more than I put the box that I put it in a box. And then I just immediately told myself like, look at me. I can't do that. Right. I'm a twig. Yeah. And I totally flipped a freaking tire across a field. It was yeah. Yeah. terrible and awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's great. What an achievement. Yeah. 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 What trainers are good at though, is like pushing you right past that boundary where you're like, I can't, Oh, look, I just did, you know, like, right. and that translates in every part of your life. Um, just about those boundaries that you put on yourselves. Yeah. I need to get back into that. Uh, yes. Agreed. Me too. You're inspiring me, Jeffrey. I'm like, okay, it's time. I need to do it. Jeffrey, did you struggle with finding a fitness routine that like worked for you? Did you try things and you were like, "Mm, yeah, that's not my jam, but I really like, I don't like that machine, but I like this machine and I don't like that kind of workout, but I'm into this. Like, did that take you a minute? Um, I had, I had experimented with some of the classes, like the step classes and the Zumbas and all that. That never really clicked with me, but, um, what did is, um, I was, when I started, I was like most people scared of the free weights. Mm. Like I would stick to the machines. I would stick to cardio and stick to the machines. And that's definitely great than doing nothing, but 
taking that fear away of the free weights and being able to push yourself a little bit further, that really helped me shift things up and move things around. And uh, I, when I, if I work out with somebody, cause I, you know, in that working out with someone is always a great way to push yourself because you can lift just a little heavier. You can do a little bit more because you have that person right there to support you and hold you accountable. You know, we're going to do this. Yes, we're going to do that. I think that um, really when I train new, if like, or we're not trained, but when I work out with new people that are looking for a little bit of coaching or guidance, I always say, we're going to take the fear away of the free weights because I know you're scared of it mm -hmm. and changes their perception and mixes it up for them and causes the muscle confusion, which equals the growth. And then they are not scared to go over to the free weight area. I love That's that. That's a great way to work out because I'm totally terrified of free weights. When I go yeah, into a gym, totally. I'm like, what's that? I don't get Most it. people are yeah. and scared of the people in the free weight. Right. <laughs> Those people that, that know what they're doing. Don't like... bother me at all. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, um, while we're on rituals, it was funny. Cause when we were talking like that, we all kind of have rituals at work that help us to yeah. be our best selves at work and to really help us be able to focus on our craft. Um, and I know that the ritual that stood out so much for us that you taught at our salon was just your color station and the way that you need your color stations to be. So can you speak to that uh, routine a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, there are tons of great colorists out there that their end work looks amazing and stunning and beautiful. The process doesn't always mirror the beauty at the end. So I find a lot of times that there are colorists that are a bit messy, a bit sloppy, but they know that when they finish, it's going to look amazing. Well, that's great. And it could be neat along the way too. So I feel that just like going to a nicer restaurant, if you sat down at a table that was already dressed, already set, you know, you definitely know it's going to be a little bit different experience than when you get sat at a table that hasn't been bust yet, mm -hmm. hasn't been wiped down. And we've all been there where we have to lean back where they wipe off mm -hmm. that and the crumbs fall on your lap. And it's just the difference of that experience. And I feel that the ticket price of color services, it should, the experience should mirror that. I'm really big on that. That's even if it's minimal stuff, minimal effort, it's not expensive to make a color tray or a color trolley look really good. It doesn't take much, but we look at our tools and our supplies with our eyes and we're a bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say blind to it, but we're, uh, not we're so used to what it looks like that we don't really kind of see that it unconscious a little bit yeah yeah it's just yeah it's just something we see every day so we have to sometimes put on different eyes like let's look at this as if this is the first time i'm seeing this or this is my customer seeing this do your color brushes look new do your bowls look new are your foils all crunkled and you know creased and ripped and torn and you know or do they look nice neat and new you know, do you, are your combs stained? Are your clips, you have four different types of clips, you know, you've got the chip clip over here and you've got the duck bill here and you've got the alligator clampy one here and the neon green one that came free with your flat iron back yeah. here, you know, and that just sends a message. Right. <laughs> and I get it. I know I get it. I get it. But could you take a look at it and just set it up and make it look beautiful and make it look expensive? And I just feel that that's sort of a missed thing within our industry. So I'm always trying to post photos and videos of, you know, proper station setup. Speaking to my soul. Yeah. I'm such a, um, 
control freak at our salon when it comes to that. It's habitual, like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, well, and I learned early on in my career from Jeffrey. I mean, that was like, I mean, obviously I took away a ton of color knowledge that I still use to this day. I mean, Jeffrey, like I still have a flip chart at work from like the creative formulations class and the technique class, um, that you taught us all those years ago that I still pass down to younger stylists at our salon. But if I do anything, I'm like, make your station. Like I can't slam on this table. Paul, our producer will yell at me, but, but slam, she would. You know, <laughs> like make your station neat and presentable. And, you know, I still yeah. roll up that towel so that I can wipe my hands off in a neat way instead of it just being like crumbled up. And, um, that I think that customers are willing to pay for a performance, if you will, that, um, your station is like your stage and that if you want to elevate your services and charge the maximum amount of what people will pay that like, why would you do anything less? There was one time where I worked with, um, a very popular stylist who is a mentor of mine. And I love love this person. But I remember I came back to the salon and I was like, Laurie, oh my God, that process was just so messy and I couldn't even deal. And it was hard for me to watch. And I couldn't, I couldn't focus. I could not focus on anything else other than like, it was a shit show getting there. But of course the end result was beautiful. The client was happy. Right. It was great. Yeah. But it was, it just sloppy. It was sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. It's sloppy and it just doesn't need to be that way. And there are, there are celebrity hair, hair stylists. I've seen this, like some of the models or Mm -hmm. the real housewives, I see them getting their hair done on, you know, sometimes the TV shows or I'll see photos and like, and it's just a disaster while it's processing. And I'm just sitting here like, I don't care how you are. It's embarrassing. It makes us, it makes us look bad, you know, and I'm just, I'm not having it anymore. I'm like, no, no, no. clean it up. Oh my God. I'm so glad we're talking about this because there was (laughs) one girl on my Facebook feed who posted a picture of herself at, I won't say what salon because it's a nationwide chain. Um, and around her neck, instead of a towel was a, like a plastic garbage bag. Okay. Um, and I, I was like, this is so wrong, but this is also why I feel like service providers, um, get, or get in this place where they feel like they can't charge more because there are stylists out there who ruin it for everybody who charge the minimum yeah. amount. Mm-hmm. And people are like, yeah. Oh, well I could just get it cheaper somewhere else. And I'm like, great. If you want a garbage bag around your neck, then go you go it. do yeah. that. But we yeah. don't do that here. Yeah. And you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah that there's always a service provider somewhere ruining it for everybody. Well, and if we're <laughs> yeah. just talking about the color class where Jeffrey taught about the presentation of your station and elevating your profession and your craft and how important it is for people to see that, it was so interesting to me, the team members who came back into the salon and it wasn't even a conversation. They immediately started to mimic that behavior. So like you did that, for instance, mm-hmm. where from then on, it was a non-negotiable your color station was always in this order and it worked for you. But then there were also yeah. stylists that that was just that not important to. to them, you know, yeah. like, and you, and when you would talk to them or ask them about it, like it just, there wasn't time. They, they didn't think about it. They forgot, you know, like it, there is a professionalism piece that comes to the, yeah. you make excuses or you make decisions, you know? And yeah, 
I love how that elevates your profession, you know, like that the people you don't have to beg to do something like that consequently are the ones that are charging the money and that do have the businesses that are growing because that's so important. Um, so yeah, it changed things for us when you taught that piece at the salon and, um, has really elevated the level of service that we've been able to do at William edge. It's great. Well, well, good. I'm glad. And, you know, the things that I tried when I tried to teach this and try to share this with people, uh, I, you know, I'm lucky that, you know, where I work, I have freedom and that, you know, I have the income to be able to buy my own foils and mm-hmm. my own clips and all that kind of stuff. But I still try to keep the things that I teach about setting up the colored color trolley in the station and all that. I still try to keep it very, very reasonable. Yeah. The things that I'm oh, yeah. talking about, the totally clips, doable. the foil, the towel, the bowl, none of it's expensive. Nope. None of it's expensive, but you can make it look expensive by just putting some effort in. Right. And, you know, so I, I try to, you know, remember that I come from a place of privilege and I still try to be respectful of everybody out there from, you know, different, different levels. And so that's why none of the things that I really show are terribly expensive. I think probably the most expensive thing other than the embossed foil that I like to use, uh, we create little name cards for the guests that we get from Vistaprint. That's probably the most expensive thing that we Mm -hmm. get. And, you know, you could probably reuse them, you know, you could save them in a Mm -hmm. little index box for your, for your guests. Uh, So I I think that you could invest in something like that, but it's really cool when the client sits down and there's a little, this space is reserved for little name tent. That's Mm -hmm. very impressive. They take photos of it it and post it on social media and it's great. It's a custom experience just for them. Like it adds huge value. So Jessica has a routine where like every day when she starts, no matter what, whether she has foils ready for her day already, she tears foils every morning as she's like getting ready for work. I don't even have to have foils on my books that day. Yeah. If she's all haircuts (laughs) and on scalp color application, like she's still up there tearing foil, like tearing foil. There's just something about smoothing them out. It's a meditative thing. Yeah. It's a meditative thing. It's tedious work. My mind can just Mm -hmm. go somewhere else. And if anything, then the salon has extra torn foil for the day, but I usually hoard them for myself. I'll be honest, but, um, And then I've got my weird thing about makeup brushes, like when I'm drying them, that I have to lay them like head to tail. So Mm. every, and then, you know, they're obviously- So the bristles aren't touching? Correct. And then they're all grouped together by style of brush. So like all of the blush brushes head to tail, and then all of the complexion brushes head to tail. And I do it for the entire way, even when I'm- traveling and getting in from a show late and have a show early the next morning. And there's not much time. Like you'll never catch me just washing my brushes and throwing them on a towel to dry. Like I have to lay them in their drying order or it just messes me up in general. Like, and so I just think it's so interesting. Yeah. Like (laughs) how we all kind of have our things where it has to be this way. Um, yeah, that speaks to my, that speaks to my CDO. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. CDO is OCD, but they're in alphabetical order. Right. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so, you know, we were talking a little bit about earlier, you mentioned, um, that sometimes it'll suck the fun or the life out of something when you try to, we were talking about comedy. That's what it was, you know, like when yeah. does this become work versus fun? And, you know, like passion projects are something that, you know, we talk a lot about Badass Ladies Club was like a passion project that we talked about for a lot of years before we actually moved on it or did anything with it. 
And so when we were talking to you about passion projects, you brought up earth and balance, which are your signature yeah. aromas that you've created. So yeah. talk to us a yeah. little bit about your passion project with creating aroma. Cause I just love the story. It's so good. Yeah. So I, of, of course, you know, the, the brand that we have always been associated with is known for aroma and known mm -hmm. for aromatherapy. And we have, I, I can speak freely. I feel you guys also love like the natural smells and the mm -hmm. oils and versus more synthetic stuff. So I've always gravitated towards really smell good things, like just really pleasant aromas, not very synthetic. And with um, being uh, a male hairdresser and having no hair, you know, I don't get to play with a bunch of products. Right. So I play, I love the skin products. I love the body products. I love the candles. I love the sprays. And for me personally, you know, and I started playing around with creating my own because I, I felt, a, I felt a little limited from the, from the male perspective of some aromas that were offered. So I just kind of started playing and creating my own and, we, uh, we had an abundance of the essential oils at our salon that were being discontinued or packaging was changing. And so I was gifted them along with the base to make the oils. And I kind of made my own. I found a, an aroma that I always called it dirty, dirty earth, <laughs> dirty earthy. So I called it dirty. And that's almost what earth's name was going to be. But I felt like I was just creating a real uphill battle with it. So yeah. I just went with earth to keep it simple. And I created earth for other people to use for earth months to raise money for earth month. I just thought it's something I've always had and people always commented on how I smelled. So I was like, well, I can sell it. And I raised money for earth month over a thousand dollars. Brilliant. And it just, the light bulb went off. And then I had people reordering it. Like they saw me post about it on Facebook or Instagram. And they're like, I'll buy some to help you raise money for earth month. And then now they're reordering it. I know my, I got it for my friend because they always commented. Um, most recently, the, the the woman, Hannah, who gave me this mug, she bought it for the ICU nurse for her daughter. Her, her wow. baby, newborn baby, is in the ICU, and uh, the ICU nurse just loved it. So she bought her that. So Earth has been very successful. Um, I don't promote it hardcore, but I put it out there. And then I created a new one, Balance, just, again, just to keep it fresh, keep it exciting. Um, earth is is very, uh, very earthy smelling, lots of heavy florals and, you know, and spices. And, uh, and it's great, but it's also, it is, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of aroma. And earth is light. Earth is light and right. just very fluffy and just a very subtle floral scent with a little bit of citrus. And uh, it's just, it's wonderful. So they really offset each other, whereas earth is very full, very powerful, balance is very light um, and very uplifting and they're both great and then I made them into soaps so I have a friend that made soaps he's like we should make them into soaps and he did and they're cool and you guys have some on your way yay we can't oh wait. my gosh I am so excited uh, I'm love this story and I love the idea that like it's something you were passionate about and like you said you don't promote it a lot it's not like a huge driver um in the business sense for you but sometimes yeah. also kind of like the podcast like when you depend on something to support you or to create the amount of money that you need for it to be like a successful business it kind of chokes the creative 
spark with it. Mm -hmm. And the first time I ever like really grasped that was reading Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Big Magic. And hers is, you know, really founded on like coming up with ideas to write books and which ideas turned into books and which ideas didn't turn into books, but were just cathartic and amazing for her to have the creative process with that that was so special she didn't want to burden that creative process with the idea of making money with it, you know, and that it really spoke to me that sometimes the passion of doing something for the right reason, like being connected to aroma and what that meant for you. And then in turn, trying to use that to create money for earth month to raise funds for clean water has now spun into additional products. And, you know, like something that really kind of took on a life of its own just says so much about, doing something for the love of doing it, not for the idea yeah. of making money from it. Um, so it's, yeah, it's I love it. Purely what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when I, when I do sell them to other people, I'll just, I'll be very honest with you. I don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Off of uh-huh. them. <laughs> By the time I order all the products to make it and everything, you know, I, I don't make a lot of money yeah. off of them. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's maybe another reason why I've not really gone hardcore into making it a big thing because there's there's not a huge margin i'd i'd have to look at becoming a serious manufacturer right right. charge so much more for them yeah yeah (laughs) getting a tax id and buying Mm -hmm. it wholesale like you know like right i you know I just kind of make it on my own and my, in my bathroom, <laughs> just pour it. And, uh, so I'd have to really have a completely different look at it to, to go hardcore with it. Right. I could, sure. I'm, it's open. Yeah. I'm not shutting it off, you know, but it, it just would have to, I would just have to really take a different approach. Yeah. Well, and just that organic feel of it, you know, like that when you allow things to happen instead of being like, okay, now we're going to make this happen, you know, like it does have a different energy and vibe around it. So um, yeah, completely. And that monetizing passion pl- projects that sometimes there's a time and place for that, but sometimes it's also yeah. okay to just say, you know what, I do this because I love it and it feels great and it's serving this yeah. beautiful purpose. And so I don't need it to make money. It's cool. Like I'm just going to do yeah. it because it feels good. Yeah. I just need it to pay for itself. Right. That's all. Yeah. I right. Like, as long as you're not yeah. out of, you know, pocket for it, but also raising yeah. it for clean water. Like that's hundred percent Yeah. for those in the Aveda network, that's a huge part of our, um, lifestyle. Honestly, anyone who yeah. works on the Veda salon would agree with that. Any salon, like yeah. water is a yeah. huge part well, of true. how we do business, you know, like you Couldn't can't do it yeah. without water. Right. We got to do our part. And this is that. the, this is, this is the month for it, you Absolutely. know, like yeah. if we're really going to create a focus about it. So, yeah. um, yeah, I just love all of it. Um, Jeffrey, I am so proud that you came and spent uh, some time with us on the podcast today, um, just because so many of the things that I feel like we try and embrace with this idea that healing is badass, um, which is our mission statement for Badass Ladies Club, is that sometimes healing has this idea of being like heavy or burdensome, or you have to be really serious, or you have to be really, you know, like stoic about it. And that that is just not true, that sometimes healing yourself is just being authentically who you are and giving people permission to do that, too. And you do that. I don't even know if you realize how much you do it for people. But but also, like the cool thing about you, Jeffrey, is that you don't you're still like this. um, And I say this as a person who feels the same way, like you have this black heart image about you right that this like hard edge and like you kind of capitalize on that with your humor and 
I love a morbid sense of humor. You know, those memes that are like, what doesn't kill you makes you have a really terrible sense of humor, right. you know, rather than makes you stronger. <laughs> I'm like, that is me. Um, yeah. It's good to see yourself reflected back in people that get yes. it. You know, like that's what we're trying to say. So thanks for being so badass. And if you guys don't follow Jeffrey Scott on Facebook or at Jaysco Color on Instagram, you should definitely do that. Um, we'll put all the links in the episode notes for today's episode. And if you're interested in checking out Earth or Balance, then uh, you can hit Jeffrey up on social media for that, too. Fly to Atlanta as soon as you get fully vaccinated and go get your hair color done. You know, like all the things. Oh, yeah. I'm into it. All right, my friend, you have a great day. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks, Thank you so much. Can I, take a, can I take a screenshot of all of us? Absolutely. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. You guys ready? We're ready. Got it. Awesome. Yes. Also, thank you so much for everything. I'm truly, truly grateful. I do hope you love your gifts that you will get very soon. I oh, love so mine. Excited. Thank I'm, you very, very much. I'm positive, Jeffrey. And also, um, I just want to put this out there for anyone who's listening and not watching. I've drank almost all of my venti Kahlua drink. Yeah. Jessica's into the and alcohol. And I'm feeling coffee. good. <laughs> feeling great. Good. Awesome. <laughs> all, right. all right. Have a good day. Bye, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs>